You might be a part of a band. You might just have some interest in co-writing with another songwriter at some point. Or you may have had a negative experience with songwriting with somebody else in the past. No matter what your situation, today we're going to talk about three indispensable tips for when you co-write a song with someone else. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. If you are on YouTube, you are noticing that there is finally an upgrade in camera. It is no longer a really terrible looking webcam. And if you're listening via podcast, you probably just noticed that the audio got better again. And that's because I moved the mic a lot closer to myself again, um, because I realized that I don't really care if the mic shows up in the video, because I do want it to be apparent, even in the video, that this is, at the end of the day, a podcast. And today on this podcast, we are going to be talking about how to co-write songs. We're just going to go through three big ideas, break them down, why I think they're important and why I think if you just get a grasp of these three big ideas, the rest will be fine and you will be successful in your endeavors to co-write a song either with one other person or with a group of people, whether you're actually physically together or you're doing it via email or video chat or however you are doing it, it will not matter. These principles all apply. First one, be open to ideas. So I've talked about this before, that ideas are, are cheap, right? So if you know anything about my lyric writing process, and my songwriting process in general, I have a document that just stores all my ideas, right? And some of those ideas are an idea of an image. Some are just like a little lyric, like a single line that I think, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. Some aren't even anything song related outside of like an idea, right? So like, for example, in my idea sheet, I have something like rise dash. And then I talk about like this musical idea of a song that's about somebody rising from some, you know, something, I don't know. Uh, but, but, but it's all about the musical idea, right? So the, the musical idea is that, is that the pitch keeps going up, up, up. So like we'd start with just low notes in the arrangement of the song. And then there'd be we, with each, I don't know, with each section of the song or whatever, we keep piling on until it's no longer just like a bass part in my voice, but it would just keep growing, growing, rising. Right. I thought, Hmm, I don't think I've ever heard that before. So. I'd just like to experiment and try that, right? So idea document, right? I've talked about it before. I think it's really important to just have a place to just spit out ideas without judgment. I think it's very important for a couple of reasons. One is you can't activate the editor side of yourself too quickly. Even in songwriting, when you're already writing the lyrics, you need to just write, write, write without being too judgmental because that's how you freeze up and get the whole staring at a blank page, right? Because you're putting too much pressure on writing the right thing. And then on the other side, I like having a giant pool of ideas to draw from. That way, no matter where I am in songwriting, right? So let's say I'm stuck on a couple songs. If I have an idea sheet that just has a bunch of ideas, terrible ideas, good ideas, okay ideas that need more development, very developed ideas, very underdeveloped ideas, right? I like having all of those. That way I can go through that sheet and there's bound to be something that I'm like, oh, I could work on this. Okay. Like two months ago when I wrote this down, I didn't really know where I was going with this, but now I may have an idea of where I'm going with this. So first of all, there's that, there's that basic reason of 
wherever you're writing, whatever scenario you're writing, you really want to be open to ideas because ideas are cheap, right? There's a million ideas. It's kind of like, you know, your one friend that has a million business ideas, but has never executed any of them, right? They talk about this invention that will earn a million dollars and is a lock, but then they don't do it, right? They just idea upon idea upon idea. Because the reality is everybody has ideas, right? And so it's about actually doing something about it. So ideas are cheap, right? It takes two seconds to write it down when you have it. I like to use Google Docs for it. That way, you know, if I'm in bed, I can just get out of bed, grab my cell phone that's not too far away, write my idea down, get back in bed. You know, I, as long as I have internet access, I, I have, which is basically everywhere now, right? I, I have access to that and I can write it down easy. Similarly, when you're co-writing in a group, there should be a point that you're spitballing ideas, right? Because a song has to start from somewhere. Some people call it a song seed, right? Uh, or you could see it as like catching the muse or inspiration. Uh, I don't necessarily like that view because I think catching the muse or inspiration is a very specific thing that happens sometimes. And a lot of songs start without inspiration. Um, like, like an idea can be something that's just a fleeting idea that isn't like this moment of inspiration and you go write an entire song in half an hour, right? Like that's, that happens sometimes, but very rarely. So when you're co-writing with people, you don't want a scenario where somebody else that you're co-writing with is afraid to say an idea because they think, oh, I'll be judged for this idea, or this idea will be struck down right away, or this is a dumb idea. And people in this group will think, oh, wow, what? That, that person's dumb. Like, why, why would they, why would they even say that idea? It's such a stupid idea. You don't want that, right? Because maybe it is a dumb idea, but at some point you got to just throw out dumb ideas because those dumb ideas could lead you to a good idea, right? Or that dumb idea can actually be developed into a good idea, right? Because something about that is like, well, Okay. Yes. And right. Or yes, but maybe in this case, and then you sort of just keep tweaking it until it may become a good idea, right? Like you just want an environment where everybody feels free to just say what they think and they're honest and they feel that, you know, there isn't so much pressure that everything they say needs to be a good idea right? You don't want that kind of pressure because when you're, co when you're writing a song alone, you don't want that, right? Like that's why I have the idea sheet. It's, it's, it's this way of you reduce pressure at each point, right? Because you have this idea sheet, which is just throw anything on there. And then the next thing I do is develop, like take one of those ideas and develop it in its own document. And then I write lyrics, but I'm still not editing. I'm just writing. And then I take the time to edit lyrics, right? That way it puts very little pressure on each step. So you don't get that like looking at a blank page or staring at your co-writers thinking, hmm, who's going to come up with that first genius line, right? That's too much pressure. You, you're skipping all these steps, right? That's like writing a book and expecting the first draft to be the final draft. That's insane, right? Like, don't try to do that. So that's one reason. Another reason is just you just want to be somebody that people will want to work with again, right? And if you're just like, no, that's a dumb idea. Like no, nobody wants to work with that person, right? That's just, nobody wants that. So don't be that person. That's big idea number one. Big idea number two, and this applies to writing in general. Um, but specifically with co-writing, you can take advantage of some of the nuances of this. And that is to understand your strengths and weaknesses and play to them. So I've been on the record to talk about, look, we all have strengths and weaknesses. And if you think you don't have a, any weakness, then you're probably arrogant because we, we all do. 
right? That maybe your weaknesses aren't super weak, right? And maybe you're just average at those things and you're great at other things, but those are still relative to your other strengths, right? They're weaknesses. We all have them, just like we all have strengths. And I think the best thing that we can do as an artist in general is to play to what our strengths are and then to, when we're writing on our own, minimize our weaknesses or at least make our weaknesses generally irrelevant. So an example I always go to with this or maybe not always, but one of my favorite examples of this is James Taylor. Now, I don't think these are necessarily weaknesses he has, but when you think of James Taylor, you're probably thinking, okay, some sweet acoustic finger picking, right? Acoustic guitar finger picking, very good guitarist, smooth as butter voice, very conversational lyrics, right? He's just, every, everything he sings feels like you could be sitting with your family or a, or a lover or something, like just, just, just sitting in front of the fire, right? It's very conversational, very intimate lyrics usually. And here's the thing. I don't know how big of a vocal range James Taylor has and it's completely irrelevant, right? Because the songs he sings, the, he, part of why he can still perform and sound amazing at 70 whatever years old is that his songs generally are all right in that baritone range, right? We're using his smooth as butter voice. And I've heard some songs where he uses some higher range, but they're, most of his main songs, right, are just right there in his baritone range. So his range, his vocal range is completely irrelevant. So if it was a weakness, again, I'm not saying it is, I don't know that it is, but if it was a weakness where like he didn't have much of a vocal range, nobody knows and certainly nobody cares, right? Because he's playing to his strengths. He's playing to that strength of having a super smooth, buttery voice. He's playing to that strength of being a really great guitarist, right? He's playing to his strengths. And then if he has weaknesses like vocal range, nobody would even know or care. And when you're on your own, that is usually the way to go, right? But when you're co-writing, now you have the advantage of specifically with writing, and then maybe depending on who's going to end up being the main performer of this song, right? Because maybe you're co-writing a song with somebody else, but it's understood that they're going to be the ones that record that song, and it's more a song for them. That could be the scenario. But regardless, now you have other people's strengths to cover up your weaknesses, and you can use your strength to cover up other people's weaknesses, right? So let's say... Maybe you're like me. I would say that some of my bigger weaknesses as a songwriter would probably be on the sort of rhythm side and writing catchy songs and and sort of sort of that area, right? Like my average songwriting process is always starting with lyrics, melody, and then usually like a piano riff or a guitar riff or something. And those are the things that I really concentrate on. Right. Like those are the things important to me. I'm, 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 it's very important to me to have like an emotional melody and I tend to have, you know, sadder lyrics. I, I rarely write a happy song for a myriad of reasons, but, um, part of them, right. Is that I'm just, I'm better at, at songwriting from a darker place. Like that's, that's just when I naturally songwrite and it, and it plays to my strengths of having pretty big vocal range and being able to belt high notes and so I play to those strengths, but you would never really know my weaknesses because I'm usually never even utilizing them, right? Most of my songs don't really require complex or interesting rhythms because they, they tend to be more on the, 
they're not all ballads, but but they tend to be more on that on that, you know, epic whatever scale, not so much catchy, something that's going to make somebody bob their head, right? I'm not even trying to do that. So you don't know or care that that may be a weakness of mine. But I might have an opportunity to write a song with somebody whose strength is that, right? Which means that's a great opportunity for me to be able to write a more catchy or or a song with a more interesting rhythm, right? Or maybe I'm writing with somebody who who tends to have a very, um, uh, uh, they're very good at coming up with you know great bass lines or something else that is are not something that I particularly consider a strength. That's great, right? Because now I'll be able to be a part of a songwriting process where my weakness is being covered up because somebody else co-writing the song with me has that as a strength. And then I can do the same thing for them too as well. Sorry if I, that I just hit my mic, my bad. I use my hands too much, but, um, you know, so on the other hand, right. If they consider themselves more weak in the lyrics department, that's something that I consider a strength of mine. I take pride in, 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 in lyrics to the point that it probably takes me too long to write a song sometimes because the lyric isn't quite right. Um, and almost always the lyric is the thing that will will prevent me from being done with a song because it's to me the hardest thing to get exactly right because I'm so picky about it. But, you know, that might be a strength that I'm bringing to the table in that songwriting session. And, and that covers up their weakness of writing lyrics, right? And this is a made up scenario, but the same thing applies to whatever your scenario is. Maybe you're co-writing with your band, right? Probably, not necessarily true, but probably the drummer is going to be pretty strong at coming up with some sweet rhythms and, and maybe some, some catchy rhythms or, or, or a different rhythm. That's, that's just, that, that just, you know, it's, it's not often that there's a song that has like an iconic drum part, right? But your drummer is probably the person that with the best chance to come up with it. And, you know, on the other side, right, your lead singer is probably going to be the best person to go to when it comes to a vocal melody, right? Again, not necessarily true, right? Maybe the pianist writes all the music because they're the main writer. I don't know the scenario, but the point is you all are going to have strengths and weaknesses and you really want to contribute your strength as much as you can to the team. See it as your gift to the team and your gift to the song is are your strengths. And you're going to be, not that you should not have any part in the things that are your weakness, right? Like just because I would say rhythm is not necessarily my strength doesn't, doesn't mean that I should, you know, remove myself from that part of the songwriting process and just let somebody else do it, right? I'm still a part of the songwriting process. I should still be a part of it. Just, you know, I might take a stronger stand on, hey, the lyric needs to do this because I feel that's a strength. Whereas with the rhythm, I might be a little more like, you know what? I will defer to the person I consider more of an expert about this, right? So the key here is to come to the song and come to the group with this sort of giving spirit of like, here is what I feel I have to offer this group and this song and not being, you know, that person that at the same time is like, oh, and I'm going to like try to control all of the things. Like, it's not about control here, right? Like, I'm not saying, oh, you're a better lyricist or you think you're a better lyricist or you think that's your strength. Like, be controlling about that. Take the lead on that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is see it as a gift that you have to offer to the group. Now, something that you're obligated to have total control over, not that you should be a dictator. It's just, again, gift, right? Like, think of it like, here is a gift I have to offer. And I'm thankful for the gifts that other people are bringing to the table. Let's all work together 
it will be so kumbaya and we'll just work out great. Lots of times won't be kumbaya, but you want to get as close as you can in some senses, right? Third point, leave your pride at the door. Kind of connected to, to the last point of, hey, you don't want to be that person that comes in and just takes control, right? And I understand that I think all of us as creatives are like this weird mix of lacking confidence, but also supremely prideful in their craft, right? Like, like even though I've gotten much better about not really caring what people think about my music in the, in, in the sense that like, here's the thing, everybody has taste, right? Whoever you think the greatest band on the planet is, a ton of people hate them. A ton of people don't like them. A part of a ton of people think they're so bad or irrelevant that they don't even need to have an opinion about them, right? Like taste is so different from person to person. And I tend to care more what a fellow songwriter thinks, right? So if, if, if somebody else is a songwriter, then I care a little bit more, more about their opinion maybe than, you know, some, some random person. And, but even then I still do care though, right? Like I care less because I've, I've learned to be more confident, um, from different things. And, you know, it's, it's just a bad for yourself to care what every single person thinks, right? You don't want that. Um, but I still do care, right? I still struggle with that. And, you know, at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty prideful, hopefully not in a wrong way, but just like, you know, I, I feel that I'm very good with lyrics, right? Like it's just a strength of mine that I'm very confident in. So it's this weird push and pull, right? Of like co-writing a song. Like if, if something's not meeting the lyrical standard, I'll think, ah, oh, man, I feel like I need to fix this. Right. Cause my name's on this. Right. And, and, and a part of me might be slow to release a song even because I think, or, or say, here's an example. So I recorded an album way back in 2000. We probably recorded it 2010, 2011, released early 2012. First album I ever did with um, a band in college. And I've talked before about the things I regret that were stupid and lessons learned from that album, right? Like I had some tempo changes in it. And it makes me shudder to think about. And then with the recording process, we made the mistake of sending like, you know, I would do a stupid amount of vocal takes, 20 vocal takes or something. And we sent them all to the mixer, but we also had a certain budget. So he didn't really have time to go through and like, you know, do a comp of 20 vocals to make the best take, right? Like even the pros usually do three to five takes of the vocal, three to five good takes, comp it down, much less like 20. So because of that, we ended up having like the, the vocal that ended up getting pitch corrected and used in the song, right. Was, was often not the best vocal. Right. And there, there are times that at least for me, I can, I can hear that not to mention that I'm a much better vocalist today than I was back when I recorded that. And there were just a bunch of mistakes, right. That right now I need to re-upload that album to YouTube because, Hey, there are songs I wrote. I'm still mostly proud of them. Uh, some more than others for sure. But some of them I wrote like in 10th grade in high school, right? So like, obviously some of them are not going to be great because I'm 27 now. It's like literally 10 years later. Um, but at the same time, that pride, right? There's a couple lyrics that I'm like, ooh, man, that would not meet my threshold of acceptable today for sure. And yet I'd be releasing it again 
on YouTube, right? Because it was taken down before because I did it through CD Baby and they take half the proceeds and this whole thing. Anyway, not really important why it wasn't on there for a little while, but I want to release it just myself on my own YouTube channel. And it's rough, right? Because I hear all these little mistakes and 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 things that went wrong. So my sense of pride, right, is sort of what's holding me back because my name is on it, right? Like I am the single singer songwriter of this, right? And even though that was a band effort, we all know I, I wrote those songs and I would be releasing it on my YouTube channel. So there's a sense of like pride that sort of holds me back of like, I hope everybody who listens to this understands, hey, this was like a 17-year-old kid that wrote it, and I'm a much better songwriter now, and this and this and this, right? Like all all these things in my head. But the beauty of co-writing is it should alleviate that pressure, right? It's kind of like the pressure of, let's say you're playing tennis, one-on-one, right? Not doubles tennis, singles tennis, one-on-one. The amount of pressure that you probably feel playing one-on-one tennis is a lot more than being one of the 11 people on a soccer field on your, on 11 people on your team on a soccer field, right? Because it's not about a blame game, but there is this sense of like, I am solely in charge of my destiny of winning or losing this game on the tennis court, right? And at the end of the day, if I lose this tennis match, there's nobody to blame but me. Not that I'm, I want to blame, right? So much as like, I know it is solely my responsibility. And that's a burden to bear, right? And that's sort of what we do every time we write a song on our own, which we shouldn't put that much pressure on ourselves. But the reality is still there that like, when you write a song, when I write a song alone, you know, if you don't like the the piano riff that's in the song, if you you know, think that my vocal melody is uninteresting. If you think it takes too long to get to the chorus, right? I made that choice. You know, I made that choice because I'm the only writer. So it completely reflects on me. But the beauty of co-writing, right? A team is that it sort of diffuses responsibility, right? Because the, the responsibility is amongst everyone. So it doesn't just reflect on you. So it sort of frees you up from that pressure of like, this is all me. Anything that goes wrong or right is all, all on me. Like you are no longer that person when you're co-writing, right? There is none of the, that's the beauty. You all are released from that pressure, which is a good thing, right? And again, it's not about blaming or shouldn't be. That would be toxic. It's not about blaming. It's about just feeling that release of like, you know, just any team, right? That's part of the beauty of a team is it relieves the pressure. When you're solo on something, all of the pressure is on you. And there's something about a team that frees everybody up to be able to in theory, be them, if it's a good team, to be their best selves. And that way they can contribute to the team in the way that they can best, right? Because again, in this case, they're freed up from that pressure. And that is one of the beauties of co-writing and why it's important to check pride at the door, right? It should be even easier to check your pride at the door because in this scenario, unlike your writing on your own scenario, there is some some sort of consolation in that, hey, I'm going to go in there, be a part of the team, and I believe in this team. I believe in us. I think we're going to put out a great product. But at the end of the day, the pressure is not all on me, right? I don't have to write every single section. I don't have to make sure the lyric's perfect alone. There's five of us that are all looking at the lyric that are bearing this responsibility. Um, And that is a beauty of co-writing, right? A team is great. A team is great. you know, I, I I miss having a band, being in a band, just because there's something really magical about that 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 team effort 
that is just a blast, right? I just prefer being a part of a team in general than doing solo stuff, even though when it comes to songwriting, I admittedly, um, like probably most of us, prefer writing alone, but I like co-writing in other instances, right? Like I would never want to co-write more than I solo write, but co-writing is a good way to change it up and to learn from other people, right? So here's the last point. This is a great opportunity to learn, right? Because if, let's say you're a person that always starts with the melody, you always start with the melody. When you sit down, you always sit down at your keyboard or your piano, not the guitar, and you write a melody first on your keyboard. That's your process. Once in a while, you get out of that box a little bit, and maybe you improvise with your, with your voice a melody again. And maybe you're the type of person that can't even imagine starting with a lyric, but maybe somebody you're co-writing with does like to start with lyrics. So you can see how they start that process because to you, you might be like, I don't, how does one even do that? And then once you have a lyric, how do you then figure out a melody for that lyric? Maybe that's not a strength of yours. You've sort of abandoned that whole way of writing music, right? But somebody in this group with their different experiences and with their different perspectives might write songs differently than you do. And you can learn from them so that you can then with your own writing on your own, be able to implement some of the things that you learn, which is another beauty of co-writing is just all being able to learn from each other. Cause here's the thing we can all learn from each other, right? I who've been songwriting for like 15 years now can learn something from somebody who has only been writing for a year. Just like somebody who's been writing from for 40 years can probably still learn something from me, right? Just because they have more experience doesn't mean anything about like, we all have something that we can all learn from each other, just from our different experiences, the different ways that we started out, right? Like there's always something that you can learn from anyone else. And certainly this is going to be true in the context of co-writing. Now, if you are the type of person that really does only write the song and start writing a song in the same way over and over again. Maybe you always start your song with coming up with a melody on the piano. Maybe you always start your song by getting your guitar out, strumming some chords, figuring out a chord progression. Maybe you always start your song with two or three different ways. You've never started your song with lyrics first, or maybe you've never started with music first. Regardless, I have always encouraged you got to mix it up. They all have strengths and weaknesses, right? Like the best way to write a great bass line is to start with the bass line, write the bass line first, right? That's a great way to have a great bass line in a song. Whereas if you save that for last, it's going to be hard to make a great bass line. And then just changing it up and not always doing lyrics first and not always doing music first, not always starting with the piano, not always starting uh, with, with a full lyric, maybe starting with just a theme, starting with an image, right? There's so many different ways to start a song. If you want to learn... 10 different ones of those and two bonus ones, if I remember correctly, be sure to check out my free guide on 10 ways to start writing a song right now. It gives you 10 different ways that you can start writing a song because there's so many different angles to start from. And if you're not using all of them or most of them, you're missing out because it can really help you get outside of your creative box to sort of try starting a song from different angles. Um, so if you think that would be helpful to you, the link will be in the description below. Um, it's a songwritertheory.com slash free guide because it is 
free. Link in the description below. If you're on YouTube and you've made it this far, be sure to click the subscribe and the notification bell. Every single week, I do podcasts on songwriting. Been doing it for well over a year now because this is episode 88. Um, and I certainly plan on doing... Uh, oh, there's also a live stream coming up. Yes, how could I forget? Live stream coming up. Maybe I'll do another podcast just to announce this in case some of you <laughs> clicked off of this because you're like, oh, he's going into the outro stuff. I've already heard this a million times. I already have that guide. Um, so maybe I'll do a separate podcast just to announce this again. But those of you on the email list know this Thursday, which will be July 9th, I believe, July 9th, 2020, we are having our first live stream on YouTube. I'm going to be talking through my six-step lyric writing checklist. That is another free guide that I have. I'll put the link for that as well in the description. Uh, I highly recommend you getting that before coming to the live stream because I will be covering that, but I'll be covering it uh, so, sort of with an, the knowledge that you could do one or the other, but in theory, you're going to get the most if you do both. If you read the guide first, come with some questions, Maybe I'll answer them in the with my presentation in the live stream, and then you can ask questions at the end, and I will answer questions at the end of the live stream, of course, because at the end of the day, it is all about you and teaching you songwriting in the best that I can. I appreciate your time today. I appreciate you stopping by, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening via podcast. If you are listening via podcast and you haven't already, I see five kind souls last I checked, which was like a week ago, have um, left a review on iTunes. For the rest of you, if you've been getting a lot from this podcast and you haven't left a kind review on iTunes yet, now is the time. It helps me out a ton. It helps other eyeballs be able to find this podcast, which will have more people listen, which in theory will help more people um, learn to songwrite. Also, be sure to drop a like on this video if you're watching on YouTube. I appreciate every second of your time that you have given me every week. Or if this is your first time ever here, I appreciate you for watching this video or listening to this podcast. I hope it was helpful to you and I will talk to you next week.